everybody. Grab your Bible and a pencil and your journal and maybe even a cup of coffee and join in on the conversation. But first, I'd like for you to write this down. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derives my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is none holy like the Lord, for there is none beside you. There is no rock like our God. Hey everyone, welcome to Write This Down with Dot Bowen. My name is Kara and I am Dot's daughter. And every week we sit down together and we talk through truths and scripture. And in this episode, we dive into First and Second Samuel and we talk about the lives of Samuel and Saul and David. And there's just so much to learn from these three people in the Bible and in particular, Saul and David. And we honestly, we just, we cover all three of them and we will continue to do so in the next episode, dive a little bit more into David. But in this episode, we talk about Samuel and Hannah and Hannah's prayer, and we talk about Saul and David and the jealousy there and pride and humility. And like I said, there's just so much to talk about with these two books of the Bible and with these three people, with Saul, Samuel, and David. So we are really glad that you're here. So pull up a chair and listen in. Kara, we are in First and Second Samuel, and it's so much. It is a lot. It is. Did you know at the beginning it was actually just one book? And so when they uh, was putting the Bible together in the canon, they divided it because it's so much. I did know that. Oh, I'm so proud of you. But what I would say is this. I know that we've got to move on in the Bible and, you know, getting close to summer and how we're going to get all of these um, books in in a year. I mean, it's hard enough just to read it on a daily basis. But what I was thinking is, I don't know how we could do First and Second Samuel in, in one episode. We don't have to. Okay, then good. We can solve <laughs> that problem. <laughs> now I'm happy. But because, you know, Samuel has so much in it. I mean, we we find the first king, uh, Hannah, that what I was uh, reading at the very beginning, First Samuel chapter 2, Hannah's rejoicing over the fact that God had um, given her a son. And she had promised, you know, that if God would give her a son, that she would give him back to him. And, you know, we bargain with God. So there's a message within himself. God, if you will do this, I'll do this. And uh, Hannah did that. You know, I don't really highly recommend uh, bargaining with God, but we do that often. Mm. There's just so much. And, you know, even with Hannah, Carrie, she was so uh, misunderstood. You know, the priest, Eli, thought that she was drunk. And she was just so lamenting and so brokenhearted. And often, you know, that's a message also, just that mm-hmm. from the very beginning of how often we look at someone else's life, we don't know what they're going through, and we're quick to judge we're quick mm-hmm. to assume the worst, you know, and Hannah's like, I'm not drunk. I'm, I'm crying out to God. I'm praying. Mm-hmm. And, um, and comes out that God honored her and Eli finds out that that's true. And she has a son and a Samuel and she does give him to, to Eli, which I think is a miracle within itself because Hannah gives, um, you know, the priest, Eli, her son and his son is, 
is not following God, you know, it doesn't turn out very well. But God rebukes Eli for mm-hmm. yeah. even how he parented. That's right. You don't get by with sin. I mean, it does have its consequences. And and definitely First and Second Samuel talks about that. We all see Saul, how that God declares and allows the his people to appoint a king. He feels that they're rejecting him as their king. Samuel gets upset. Well, he did. He did. Re- they did reject God as their king. Yes. And, and when I read that, I don't know if you noticed this, but when I read that and, and when Samuel goes and says, you know, we give you this king, goes to the people, he says, he's going to take your daughters. He's going to take your sons. He's going to, you know, if you want this king, this king is going to put your children in his army, basically. Mm-hmm. He's going to send them out to war. You know, and I think about today, you know, we don't have a king, but, you know, I doubt that you remember this, but for many years, there was not an option for a boy to go into the army. He was enlisted. He had to be. Oh, like required. Yes. And now, you know, they choose to go in. But for years, that was not an option. And I think about, you know, God saying to Samuel, you go tell the people, if you want a king, I'll give you a king. But it's not going to turn out the way you think. Yeah. Here's a question, though. Okay. He said, you know, what you just said. But they did fight. Like, how was that different? Do you know what I mean? Like, they were in battle. I mean, I know the different of, like, having the king versus God being the king, you know, all that. Mm-hmm. But in terms of, like, the children being, you know, saying he's going to take your sons and your daughters and, you know, to fight or be in the army or whatever. But they did fight. And it was their choice. They served the king. Because, see, like before, when the Israelites were going over into the land, they would have these tribes. And these tribes would unite, and they would go in and take their land, the land that God had promised for them. Mm -hmm. But they were uniting as a tribe. They were in unity. Now they were serving a king, which is a total different, different thing. That makes sense. But I do feel, you know, that... As we get into First and Second Samuel, there's so many life lessons that we can we can learn. You know, you think about, you know, again what we just said before: parenting. Eli here, he is this godly man. He doesn't really discipline his sons, and then mm-hmm. God God does. Mm-hmm. And then we take Hannah, and she was faithful to her promise to God, and she you know gives Samuel uh, to you know Eli and. Samuel grows up, and she would go visit him. But right, which in all reality, I feel like even with Hannah bargaining, you know, with God saying, "If you do this, I'll do this." Mm-hmm. I don't really see that as much as bargaining, as much as like her heart was in a position to do that, and that like ultimately, like God wanted Samuel to be like. Would she like? Would Samuel have, you know, been under Eli and been, you know, the prophet he was if she? hadn't have said that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I see it more as like God using that to fulfill his purpose, to fulfill of, you know what I'm saying? Like his, like Samuel's call on his life before he was even born was to be a prophet. Like, I guess I, I see it as not God will like, okay, twist my arm. You bargained with me. 
and I'll, since you said that I'll do it, but it's more God being like, yes, that's what I want to happen is for him to, you know, like your son to be under Eli and to be this prophet for all these days. So I will accomplish my will through your bargaining. Yeah, I don't think it's the bargaining. I think that's humanly speaking, Hannah bargained. I believe Hannah was like so grieving and so in pain because, you know, women back then, if you didn't have children, and it's still a little bit like that today, but that's their whole identity. And and it was a sign that God was blessing them if they had children. But I think that God's will is going to happen no matter what. So Yeah, like Hannah didn't manipulate God. God just nor used do we. His, right. God just used the circumstances to accomplish what he, was what he wanted. Right. And that's what we've talked about you know, about prayer. Like it's kind of getting to the place where we're wanting God's will. And God's plan is always going to, you know, trump our plan when we know that God's plan is always better than our plan. So it's not like a dictatorship. He's our Lord. He's our Savior. He is in control. He's sitting on his throne. He has a perfect plan for our lives. But you can look at this as uh, oh, God is just this mean God. No matter what you want, it doesn't matter because if God doesn't want it, you're not going to get it. As a as a an attitude, a lot of people have. But when you step back and know the heart of God, and you know that God has the plan for your life, and you begin to filter it through those lenses of, I want this plan. I want a child. God, will you give me this child? And God gives the child. It's not because of, of, of what you said, like, you know, she's manipulating God to do something God didn't want to do. This actually is just a great example of us getting in on what God's doing. And so she did, you know, get pregnant and she had this child. The story really is more about Hannah's faithfulness and her desire to have a child and how God honored that but also to step back and see God's hand that God had planned. And so it's kind of like embracing where we are, embracing what we do not have as maybe the hand of God is not time or it's God's got a better plan or God's got something better for us. So that's kind of what we're talking about a little bit, kind of getting off the subject a little bit. But that principle is definitely in there because it's not really about Hannah manipulating God, but as you said, God has a plan. And from Genesis to Revelation, God is moving toward that plan, which is the Messiah, which we will see David on the scene, you know, in first and second Samuel. And David is the tribe. David is where the Messiah will come through. David will be the next king. So all of that is in Samuel. So it's like God is setting the stage for what he's going to accomplish. And I think, you know, a lot of times we approach God in a way of trying to twist his arm to do something without really kind of sitting back and go, is this your plan, God? Is this is this what you want? Which goes right into Saul in the fact that God said uh, to Samuel, they're not rejecting you as judge. They're rejecting me as their king. And so God gave them what they asked for. And again, we're sitting here looking at, he gave Hannah what she asked for because it had a bigger plan. Now he's giving the Israelites what they asked for, knowing they don't realize what they just asked for. 
and it was not going to go well. Now, God warned them and said, you set up this king, you're going to lose control, and this king is going to control you. Mm-hmm. And and yet they kept begging it. And so once Samuel warned the Israelites and told them, like, you, you know, you're rejecting God. And they just continued to say, no, we want a king. We want to be like everybody else. Yeah, they're like, yeah, that's great. So where's our king? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, don't worry about that. We'll worry about that when the time comes. Just give us a king. And it says we want to be like everybody else, which is another message. It's very dangerous. And a lot of times we we look at everybody else and say, well, why won't God let that happen to me? Why is my life not like everybody else's? Why am I different? Or like just even the grass is greener because they're like, oh, look how Mm -hmm. cool it is or great it is that Mm -hmm. those countries or nations have kings. We want to be like that. Mm -hmm. The funny thing is, to me at least, is yes, they rejected God as their king. And yes, God gave them a king and kings. But ultimately, God still was in control. You know what I'm saying? It's Mm -hmm. not like God was like, okay, I'm taking my hand out completely. And I'm walking away. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like God, yeah, because God ultimately was the one who you know, decided who was going to be the king, decided how that was going to go, decided Mm -hmm. how long their kingship was going to be, decided if, you know, like he tore the kingdom from Saul, he tore the nation in half, you know, like, Mm -hmm. it's so it's like kind of, I don't know, funny to me, because it's like, okay, yeah, God is like, okay, you you rejected me as a king, so I'm going to give you a king. Like, like, it seems like he's like giving up his control, but it's like, no, I'm going to do this, but I'm still going to I'm still in control. I'm still in charge. I'm still, right. it didn't really yeah. make a difference in terms of, it was almost like a perception thing of like, okay, I'll do this for you, but you know, God's still. You can think that's a king, but you really, I'm really right. the king. Right. But I think that's a great point because in reality, there's a difference in reaping our consequences versus God walking away from us altogether. A lot of times we think that God has forsaken us because, for whatever reason, things aren't going well. And so what God was trying to say to the people through Samuel, you don't know what you're asking for because this is not going to go well. You're going to be in bondage. You're going to be total under the control of this king. And he's going to take from you. He's going to take your land. He's going to take your children. So God warned them, as he does us, but they were insistent, I want this, I want this, I want this, like a two-year-old. You know, I want it, I want it. And then when they get it, it doesn't go well. But that's the consequences. It's not God's punishment. God warned them out of love and, and mercy and out of grace to tell them. But when you consistently just say, I'm going to do it, or I want this, no matter what you say, God, then we reap the consequences mm-hmm. of that. And that's where we see it. Yeah, well, and even though it's like God even... Like he set up, you know, looking at Saul or David, in particular David, like God didn't want it to go south, you know, like he didn't. Mm-hmm. That's his even, heart. Yeah, like even setting up the kings is like he knew what would happen because he knew how the kings would choose. He knew. And he's sovereign. You know, like, yeah, he knew what what was going to happen, but he even in that, like he, it's like he kept, he kept wanting it to not go bad. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? It's not like he's like, well, sucks for you. Like, this Mm -hmm. is, you know, it's going to go so badly. 
he's just like, no, this is what's going to happen. But he even tried like it. I don't want to say like he tries, like he doesn't have control, but he, you can see. He puts obstacles. He puts truth in our minds. He, he tells us a warning. You know, that's why he's doing yeah, it. Like he it's, chose kings who had a heart toward, I mean, at the beginning at in particular, mm-hmm. Saul and David in particular, like he chose them because of, you know, their heart toward him at, at the very, at the beginning. Obviously we see Saul's heart turns, but but yeah, so it's like he, it's like he, he's not setting them up for failure, I guess is what I'm trying yeah. to say. He is wanting them to succeed. He's wanting that. But, you know, we have, we have choice. We do. And that's exactly what I was about to say, the power of choice that goes from Genesis 3. God set up the world for everything to be good. He didn't want sin to enter into this world, but he already made a plan because he knew they were going it was going to happen. And the same thing is even with Saul, they were asking for a king. He knew it wasn't going to go well. And he already had David in line to set up. And then eventually Jesus would be the final king. And so I think that, you know, it's a great principle of, of looking at this and thinking, you know, God's heart and how he knows if we continue in this path, if we, he knows it, if we are so destined that we want to be like everybody else, we lose our identity. We want to be who we are, which is what happened with the Israelites. Um, they lost their identity. You know, they at first with the patriots and then now a tribe and now a nation. And so now this king has come in to rule and it splits. Uh, there's now, you know, Israel and Judah and uh, all kinds of things happen. Now, God is, very much aware of what's going on. Right. Ultimately, they get seized by another nation and taken into captivity mm-hmm. for however many years, mm-hmm. you know, so, yes. yeah. Like over and over on, again. Right. Like, so not only, you know, was it, you know, you'll have taxes, you'll have to go to war and, you know, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. But it's like, no, you're going to be like stripped from your land. Mm-hmm. What you think is freedom is not, basically. Right. But what I do love about Saul and David in particular, like looking at them is in both of their stories, neither of them are perfect. And I mean, in some ways, David actually, I mean, in human terms, he kind of messes up more than Saul in terms of, you know, like a moral failure and, you know, murder and all that kind of all that. But you just see, and I know we can talk about more of this in another episode, looking more into David, but just seeing it's it's not a matter, like we don't have to be bound by fear that we're going to make a wrong choice or by our choices, but it's it's always about our heart. And that's what he always mm-hmm. tells the Israelites, you know, over and over again of just serve me, serve me, serve mm-hmm. me, you know, keep your Love eyes me. toward me, mm-hmm. love me. Right. It's not, and yes, there are things to do as a result of that, but we don't have to be so consumed by like, I don't, you know, like making the right choice or being afraid we'll make the wrong choice or whatever, but it's just keeping your heart toward the Lord. And that's what Saul did not do and that David did do. And even though both of them made, you know, bad choices and mistakes and mistakes and choices that were against the Lord and disobeyed the Lord, but their response was very different because of their posture of their heart. Well, I want to address a couple of things that you said, uh, and, and you're right. Everything you said was correct. But I want to say this, that we do look, humanly speaking, as you said, that maybe David, you know, here he has a, uh, an affair, and then he has his 
tries to cover up the fact that she's pregnant and, and wants, you know, act like, you know, it's not his child. And then he has, you know, her husband killed. I mean, it's things, you know, none of that's good. But we know that God says David was a man after his own heart. Like, and then, is, which is what you're saying as far as God looks at the heart. But I will say this, when you think about Saul and how that Saul was jealous of David and Saul tried to take matters in his own hands and Saul tried to, you know, do things and make him, he was prideful. He he would mm-hmm. hear the people say, oh, David is, you know, can kill more people than I do and stuff. And so there was such a jealousy and a pride issue. But when you get back, and look, look at it, and right. you look at the two men, they both had a pride issue. And it was prideful for David when David was like, oh, I don't want anybody to know that this is my child or I've done something wrong. Or I've done, you know. And then you look at Saul, and you're like, oh, this is prideful. Now, we do see that David often would humble himself and go and, you know, he could have killed Saul several times, and he didn't. He's like, you know, you always recognized that Saul was God's anointed. He always, um, I guess, looked at God as powerful and reverenced him where Saul didn't. Right. It's almost like when push came to shove, David had his moment of like, okay, this is who God anointed her. Okay. You know, it's like he. You think he came back down to the reality of and reverence yeah, God. Yeah, it was like he. It's like the moments that your heart, true heart, comes out. It's like, okay, when push comes to shit, like we're all going to have moments where it's like, mm-hmm. okay, I didn't react really well in that moment or I didn't respond super awesome. But then when push comes to shove, you come back around to the Lord or you humble yourself or you, you know what I'm saying? It's like, mm-hmm. we all have those moments, but then it's like, okay, I know that, you know, this is who God anointed or I know, you know, whatever it is. But, and even with Saul, I was thinking, we see that way before David even comes on the scene. I mean, that's why David comes on the scene is because mm-hmm. of the posture of Saul's heart. And he acts rash, you know, very reactive at times, you know, with the whole, he tells his army, you know, don't eat anything, mm-hmm. you know, that. Yeah, yeah. Very extreme. Very extreme. And he is always, at, le- at least what we see in First Samuel, I mean, I know we don't see every day of, you know, their lives. But what we see, or what I see in First Samuel, is he's always concerned about people more than the Lord. Like he's always mm-hmm. more concerned about how people will perceive him, or what they think of him, or you know that. Which is crying, right? Yeah, that's, yeah. Versus the Lord, like he. It was more about Saul than it was about God. Is what you're yeah, saying, right? Yeah, and but I think it's too, which it is. It's the same thing, but it, he's so concerned with how he is perceived by the people. Mm-hmm. You know, like. And he he doesn't like take a stand, you know, like even when he's waiting, he's waiting on Samuel to come and he doesn't come, you know, when Saul thinks he mm-hmm. should come by. And then so then Saul takes matters in his own mm-hmm. hands and he eats of the bread. He uh, goes into the holies of holies. Like he puts himself up as a um, prophet, as a priest. Right. Prophet. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, but all I have to say is it's seeing I think that is one thing of like keeping our eyes on the Lord versus people, you know, like mm-hmm. he was just always so consumed with, and yes, it is pride and it's focus. It is, he's concerned about Saul. All those things are right. But it's, I think for us to be like, okay, like, am I concerned about, you know, how I'm being perceived or people mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever, or am I trusting the Lord? And if that means I, 
you know, wait a little bit longer and it may seem crazy or maybe I do this thing and it may seem crazy, but you know, the Lord's with you or what he's asked you to do or whatever. You know, it's amazing. We need to go back and remember how Saul became king. He was going out to look for a donkey. Mm-hmm. And so here he is looking for his father's donkey. And Samuel says, you know, God is uh, anointed you. He's going to put you as king over Israel. He's just going after donkeys. He's just looking for his father's right. um, animals. Exactly. And it's nothing that Saul did to make himself king. Mm-hmm. And I think he's forgotten that. So when he starts looking at David and he starts looking and listening to the voice of everybody else around him of saying, oh, this David's so great. And jealousy, don't underestimate jealousy. We know that throws Joseph into the pit. And jealousy is an evil thing. We're always comparing ourselves and like looking around and uh, saying, kind of discontent with our lives and saying, well, God, won't you do this for me? Realizing that God did do something for him. He didn't do anything to make himself king. Now, he did do some things to make himself be removed as king. Mm -hmm. But when you start focusing on yourself and start thinking about, I've got to look a certain way and, you know, what does people think about me? All of a sudden, like you said, we've gotten our eyes off of God, but we're also forgotten what God has done. And, you know, with David, I think when we see David, David never forgot that it was God that anointed him as king, that Mm -hmm. he would always go back and go, God, I have sinned. I've sinned against you only. And then most of the Psalms, you know, are written because of, you know, David repenting and realizing, oh, it's God. It's God that's placed me in this place. Right. And I think that goes back to the pride and humility between David and Mm -hmm. Saul is, you know, when Samuel goes to Saul and says, hey, you're not going to be mm-hmm. king anymore. And, you know, why did you do this or that? Saul points the finger at the people. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and I think that's an element of pride too. Like Saul doesn't take responsibility for his actions mm-hmm. because of that pride, like you're saying. And I think that when we see that in David, we see the humility. We see like he mm-hmm. is. He realizes so, it. He, right. He's so aware of his wrong. I mean, in that, I mean, I, I'm sure that that was not easy to admit that mm-hmm. yes, I had an affair and I had her husband killed. Yeah. Do you know what I love about that, Kara? I want I want to pause just a minute because that Psalm uh where it says, Against thee along have I sinned. You know, uh that was written when he was confronted and realized that his son had died and that God was going to the consequences of his uh sin. And I think when I read that and I think about David's heart and his focus, he said, against thee only have I sinned. And I'm like, well, what about Bathsheba? What about Uriah? What about, you know, the people that your leadership, the people that are looking to you as, mm-hmm. as a, a godly leader? What about, you know, what about those people? Didn't you sin against them? Didn't you sin against Bathsheba by, you know, taking advantage of her? And we look at that, and I'm not saying that they didn't sin about that. And I'm not saying David didn't realize that they did sin that. But his so focus was on the holiness and the reverence of God. He realized all these other people are sinners too. Right. But there is a holy God, and I've sinned against him. Yeah. I think that's amazing. Uh, perspective. And I think that that might have been the difference between Saul. Like you said, Saul was 
pointing the finger. And every time Jonathan would mention to Saul, why are you doing this? Or even David would say, mm-hmm. why are you, you know, uh, running after me? I'm on your side. Saul would always, you know, talk about the people or uh, how everybody thought that he was so great or whatever was going on in Saul's life. It was never about Saul. It was always about, like you said, responding to the things he was listening to. And mm-hmm. and his perspective was more about, I'm king and I'm going to hold on to it versus I was just given a gift. Mm-hmm. And God, you know, that's one of the things I love about Job, where he says God gives and God takes away. But here is something that God has given Saul. And now Saul is like, you cannot take this from me. And we hold on to it. Well, the ironic thing is God wouldn't have taken it away from him if Saul had just been open-handed with it. You know, like, and I know there's a lot of other things around that, but. Well, he would have taken it from, he would have been able to fulfill his kingdomship. He was, it was removed because of his sin. But eventually David would have been king anyway because of the fact that he was establishing David as a king through the line of for the Messiah. But he would not have lost the kingship under such moral failure and such, you know, he went, you know, pretty much crazy. Mm -hmm. But overall, again, that's what you're talking about. Like God has a plan. David was much aware of God's plan. And Saul decided it was his plan. And it is the difference in when we are facing life and we're in where we are right now we have to kind of step back and go, you know, wherever I am right now, whatever I have, even if it's not a whole lot, what I have, God has allowed me to have. And here's where I am, and I cannot hold on to these things and act like this is mine versus I'm going to give everything that God's given to me back to God and allow God to do whatever he wants to do with whatever. If he wants to remove the thing, he'll remove it. If he wants to enlarge whatever he's given us, he'll enlarge it. But if our focus is more about God and not ourselves, I think that's where the peace and the contentment. I mean, no wonder Saul went crazy. He was trying so hard to keep something that God had already said, you're not keeping. Mm -hmm. And... And that causes a lot of anxiety. It definitely causes a lot of jealousy and strife. And I feel like, you know, as we look at Samuel, I mean, that's lots of life lessons in that, like the danger of of jealousy, uh, the sin of jealousy, always listening to whatever body's saying and, you know, taking it personally and, you know, you know, being very careful or protecting our heart toward pride. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of a lot of stuff in here, Kara, and I mm-hmm. just think as we look at the life of Saul and David, and like you said, compare it, step back. We're not Saul, we're not David, but there's some human behaviors that we all sometimes express through the way we respond to what God is doing in our lives. And and as you said, I think it's a huge point of what you put out is that we've got to step back and go, you know what, God, this is really about you. It's not about me. And it's what you want for my life. And it's the plan you have for my life. And as long as we're faithful to that, we'll reap those consequences and not the consequences that we'll put on ourselves for disobeying God. Thanks for listening. I'm so glad that you could be a part of our conversation. 
To continue the conversation, you can find Dot on social media at Dot Bowen or visit her website, dotbowen.com. Subscribe, like, and share with your friends, and we will see you next week on Write This Down with Dot Bowen. Bowen.